Lake Effect brings you conversations about what's happening in Milwaukee and the people, places, and organizations that shape our community. This is Lake Effect Spotlight from WUWM, Milwaukee's NPR. WUWM is celebrating the rich cultural diversity of Milwaukee's Hispanic and Latino people during Hispanic Heritage Month. That includes a conversation between WUWM race and ethnicity reporter Taryn Powell and Afro-Latina Milwaukee resident Joanne Marie Luciano Vargas. She was born and raised in Ponce, Puerto Rico, and came to Milwaukee at the age of 13 after a hurricane destroyed her family's home. Vargas talks with Taryn about that transition from Puerto Rico to Milwaukee. It was indeed very scary. A lot of times we think because Puerto Ricans have dual citizenship, Puerto Rico has a commonwealth. They have the citizenship of Puerto Rico and the citizenship of the United States. And most people think, oh, that's not really migrating from a new place because you're a U.S. citizen. But we're starting a whole life brand new in a different country where they speak a different language, different weather, different everything. So we don't know what's going to happen. So we just came in in hopes that we would be able to succeed. How did you find community in Milwaukee? Well, first came the question of my identity and who I was. I came in, and MPS threw me, my brother and sisters, in different schools because Mm -hmm. it was, you know, whatever was open and available. So we were all spread in different places. The English that is taught in Puerto Rico is very minimal. Mm -hmm. So I understand very much when I came in, and I was put in a monolingual school. Being in a monolingual school, most of the kids are either going to be black or white. So then you try to see and figure out, who's my people? Where do I fit in? Who can I try to communicate with? So the question of race or ethnicity or color wasn't brought upon me or wasn't even of a concern to me until I got here. Mm-hmm. Because I look at myself and I'm like, you know, I got a little bit of color, you know, I'm golden in here. But I'm not white. But I'm not black. Or am I black? Because I look at my mom. She's black. So am I black? But then my dad, you know, he's, he's pretty fair skin. I don't know where I stand. Mm-hmm. I try to communicate with the white girls. I try to um, listen to them the way that they speak. I try to see the things that they did. And unfortunately, they were just making fun of me. They were saying things to me. They were saying words that were ugly about me, but I didn't understand because of that language barrier. Mm. And it wasn't until the black girls were the ones who really embraced me. And they said, you shouldn't be talking to those people because they don't care about y'all. And it was the y'all that I got to understand. It was not just me. They didn't care about people that were not of their same race or ethnicity. Mm. Um, we started communicating very minimal, you know, just small words here and there, exchanging Spanish words for English words. Um, they would see the way that I came uh, to school. My mom did my hair in head wraps. It's normal and it's traditional from, from Puerto Rico and in braids. So they were like, So then in Puerto Rico, people do braids? In Puerto Rico, people do headbands and head wraps? Yes, we do. Um, So I guess that is something that they saw. It was very much metered in their culture Mm. and what they also have and embrace in their community. And they felt that I belonged there too. 
What does identifying as Afro-Latino mean to you? It's understanding who I am and where I come from. A lot of times we tend to just look at the physical and say, I think I am pretty white passing. Mm -hmm. So maybe when I look at those different boxes that check the ethnicity, I should be putting white. Or maybe I'll make it up as it goes, put Pacific Islander, because Mm -hmm. I don't see one that truly identifies to me. But when I look at my mother and I look at my family and I see their traditions, the things that they hold dear to their heart, the color of their skin, Mm -hmm. and the way that I carry myself, I understand that my identity is an African-centric identity. I guess along with that, figuring out what boxes to check, I was reading just like a little bit of data about, you know, how many folks identify as Afro-Latino in the U.S. and whether it's just Latino versus Hispanic. Was there ever a challenge in picking one like, okay, just Latino or Hispanic or like <laughs> so many labels right, that there's we're a forced lot of to labels. choose? <laughs> That's for sure. Um, I did struggle with that. It wasn't until I had the education and the knowledge and the understanding of what it is that I needed to put in those boxes because mm. I didn't know. So when it comes to me, a Puerto Rican woman, and we are in the Caribbean, everyone who is in the Caribbean is considered black. It's Mm -hmm. not depending on the color of their skin, but rather because of the, well, what happened with um, the diaspora and those people who were forced into slavery from West Africa and moved to the Caribbean. Mm -hmm. Um, Even the lightest of shade of Puerto Rican If you look at their mother or their cousin or their aunt or grandma or grandpa, you're going to find somebody that is dark as night. Mm. Uh, It is part of what happened to us. Um, You have to understand that the land was native. Christopher Columbus didn't come and discover us. We was there. (laughs) We was thriving and we was happy. Mm. They forced these people from West Africa to come to our land, forced into slavery, intermixed with the natives. Evidently, end up being forced to also intermix with Spaniards that were mm-hmm. taking over the land. And the the reasoning was to purify the race, to ensure that there was a extinction of Native people and of Black people. Mm-hmm. So they continue to intermix and will take advantage of the women of the land to ensure that the offspring continue to get lighter and lighter and lighter. Mm-hmm. But what happens with genetics in Puerto Rico is just you don't know the color that the child is going to come out. <laughs> that is what happens. I mean, if you look at a Puerto Rican family, you're going to be like, y'all adopted? <laughs> <laughs> you have a redhead with curly, coarse hair, but then they light skin. And then you have another person, same part of the same family. Mm-hmm. Very, very dark skin, but the hair is wavy. It don't make sense. But I mean, out of the darkest of ashes, beauty ended up arising. Mm -hmm. And we're able to see the beauty on it all. Absolutely. What does this month-long recognition mean to you? This recognition is specifically of those who are of Spanish-speaking native tongue, 
who come from Central America, the Caribbean, and from South America. It is the time of the month that these people who are no longer in their native homes are able to talk, speak, and be vocal and expressive about where they come from originally or where their ancestors came from before they ended up being in this new land called the U.S. And so how does that pride come out for you during Hispanic Heritage Month? As of right now, I am in an all-time busy when it comes to my business. I create artisan jewelry that mostly is reflecting on self-identity and ethnicity. The most popular thing that I am creating are earrings with the flags of each person's land. So there's people that are ordering flags that you don't see out there. Of course, I, I'm sorry, but we we do be taking over a lot. Puerto Ricans <laughs> be putting their flag everywhere. We put it on our cars, on our houses, on our shoes, on our shirt, everywhere. But understand that the reason why is because once upon a time our flag was banned. Mm. So when our flag was banned during the gag law, the women were the ones who really were revolutionary. They would create the flags and they'll stitch it inside uniform skirts put it inside the shoes to ensure that the flag stayed alive and people knew. So, yes, to be able to create something that is so meaningful to people, um, that they could be able to carry around with pride anywhere that they are, people can say, oh, I know that flag. It's from Nicaragua. It's from Honduras. It is from Colombia. And for them to be able to recognize that person beyond from what you are able to see on the outside because... You just never know. You could look at somebody yeah. and you're like, I don't know what they are, who they are, where mm. they come from. But then to be able to have that symbol already with them gives them pride, gives them a sense of joy and happiness yeah. and for other people to be able to see them. Where do you see like Afro-Latino specifically inclusion in these Hispanic Heritage Month celebrations? Thankfully, I'm seeing it a lot and in particular when it comes to the arts. We have incredible people that have decided to put themselves out there, mm-hmm. be completely open uh, about themselves and everything that they stand for in their art, whether their medium is painting, drawing, sculptures, photography, poetry. And then we have the artists that put their whole out on the open with their body, by dancing, by drumming, by singing. Um, there's many different communities here in the city that are keeping traditions alive and that are continuing to carry up everything that is so dear to us. Joanne Marie Luciano Vargas is a Milwaukee resident who spoke about her experience growing up in Milwaukee as an Afro-Latina with WUWM's race and ethnicity reporter, Taryn Powell. You can find more interviews like this one by visiting wuwm.com slash lake effect. And while you're there, subscribe to the Lake Effect Spotlight podcast.